1: All right. Good evening to you. I am Sarah Seidner. Welcome to CNN Tonight. The grand jury is expected to meet in a matter of hours in Jack Smith's election interference investigation. So what will happen now with a third possible indictment of former President Trump looming? That's tomorrow's news tonight. Plus, Trump's former personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, has admitted he defamed two Georgia election workers, Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Shea Moss, suffered with threats to their lives after he and others made wild and utterly false accusations of vote tampering will giuliani face consequences for the damage he's done plus a stunning day in court today for hunter biden he thought he had a deal and then it all fell apart the judge even questioning whether the deal was constitutional so what's going on now And, paging Mulder and Scully, the X-Files, comes to Congress, three retired military veterans testified today at a House hearing on UFOs. They say they are a national security problem, demanding the government stop keeping all this under wraps. I have personally spoken to a Navy pilot who told me for a while he and other pilots would see UFOs on a daily basis. Objects like this.
2: Uh,
1: (laughs) 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 (laughs)
3: Uh,
4: 20,
1: we hope you get that excited about this show. We've got a lot <laughs> to talk about tonight. Let's begin with a dramatic day in court for Hunter Biden. When the judge refused to accept the plea deal for the president's son, CNN's Kara Scannell is here, Kara.
5: Sarah, Hunter Biden walked into the federal courthouse today expecting to put a five-year criminal investigation behind him. But instead, three hours later, he left with his plea deal hanging in the balance and pleading not guilty to two tax misdemeanor charges. The plea deal began to unravel when Judge Mary Ellen Ryka scrutinized what exactly was covered under the terms. That revealed a disagreement between prosecutors who argued it gave Biden immunity to other tax, drug use, and gun charges. But Biden's lawyer said they thought it was more expansive. After a brief recess, Biden's team came back and agreed to the prosecutor's narrow immunity deal. But then that agreement broke down again when the judge questioned the constitutionality of a diversion agreement for a felony gun charge. That deal would allow Biden to avoid a felony charge for possessing a firearm while he was addicted to a controlled substance. The judge said it was not straightforward and she questioned whether it was constitutional. So after more than three hours, the judge told Biden she was sorry, but she couldn't let him plead guilty to a deal he didn't understand. And she said she wasn't willing to rule on the gut diversion agreement on the fly. So she's giving both sides 30 days to brief the case. Sarah.
1: That was our Karis Thank you so much. Now, let's talk all this through with our great guest, CNN legal analyst, Elliot Williams, senior political analyst, John Avalon, and senior political commentator, Scott Jennings. All right, Elliot, did the judge's objection have to do with the terms of the deal, whether it was fair or too lenient, or does she have a problem with it under the Constitution, under the law?
6: All the above. Um, now, look, judges can, and they do have a right, we talked about this I think yesterday as well, judges can um, not approve plea agreements if they think that something doesn't smell right, if the government's not being fair. And the whole point of plea agreements as a general matter is to ensure that the defendant's rights are protected, that he knows what he's pleading guilty to, that he can't eventually down the road be charged again for something that he that he sort of thinks he didn't. And the whole point here was that she felt that perhaps that gun diversion thing might have set him up for future prosecution in a way that violated his rights as a defendant. It was probably a. Cautious thing
1: to do. I've never seen it happen before. I was going to ask you how rare this it's, is because usually they have yeah. it all buttoned up, the prosecutors yeah. and the defense. Often, right? often
6: they'll send you in a back room to say, wait a second, you two folks don't seem to be fully in agreement mm-hmm. with what you thought you were in agreement about earlier today. And you can usually go in a conference room, work it out in, a, in an hour. Um, I've, I've never had a plea agreement when I was a
1: prosecutor just get blown up right. like this. But it can happen, and it's within the
6: judge's right to do
1: it. It can happen, and it did happen. I want to ask you, Scott, um, Hunter Biden's been under investigation for five years for his business dealings. I mean, what else can they find, I guess, is the question. Is it's been going on for a very long time, do you think there's more there? I have well, a feeling I know the answer.
7: Well... Um- <laughs> I mean, part of what was going on today, I think, was this concept that he may still be under investigation for his foreign business dealings. Did he register under the Foreign Agent Registration Act? And I think he walked in thinking he was going to be protected from all that. And maybe that's not the case. And so uh, from Republican perspective, it's there's, there's still more Hunter Biden to know. There's stuff that's uh, been uncovered by the congressional committees. That's why the Republicans in the House right now are talking impeachment inquiry, because they feel like they need extra tools to get to the bottom of the influence peddling that they say has been going on in the Biden family. So, is there more? Yeah, from a Republican's
1: perspective, there's a lot more. Okay. I do want to, uh, speaking of a Republican's mm-hmm. perspective, uh, presidential candidate Chris Christie uh, mm-hmm. tweeting tonight, uh, we'll bring that up on the screen, about Hunter Biden saying this it is I've seen enough. We need a special counsel who has jurisdiction over any and all Biden family investigations. This is a charade. Get rid of U.S. Attorney Weiss and appoint a special counsel who will investigate with competence. And independence. What are your thoughts, John?
4: I think Chris Christie is trying to you know shore up his right flank with this. this is consistent with his brand straight talking prosecutor. and we need to remind folks that uh, Weiss is it was a Trump appointee right. uh, who followed who did uh, oversaw this investigation into Hunter Biden that he has disagreed with the reports of the whistleblowers uh, to Congress right. and, and elsewhere. What happened today was really a blow-up of something that had been long-planned, and it's very unusual, And it's including for the ambiguity about what it covered. Right, These charges are about taxes. They're an ancillary about guns. had nothing to do with you know foreign influence peddling. Uh, that's a separate topic, but apparently they're all conflated, and certainly from the Republican perspective, that's the main event, ultimately.
7: Well, the question was, is there more to learn? And yeah. I think Republicans do think there's more to learn, and he's clearly still apparently— under investigation for the for the form that that's really the connective tissue yes. between him and the president. Yeah, the foreign influence peddling. Were you selling the name? Joe Biden overseas? Did you enrich your family?
4: Did you follow the registrations? That's a separate matter than like the gun thing. That's the key point. Totally separate. Nothing to do with them. And yet they thought apparently they were somehow entwined. And it was news to them that he's still under investigation Mm -hmm. by the Justice Department.
1: And so the judge made this decision. Now I'm expecting they're working this out, Elliot? I mean, they are. I mean, they are. So they'll they'll take up to 30 days to
6: brief the issue, write some memos to the judge, and the judge will come with the decision and, and perhaps agree to the plea agreement. But we'll see.
1: All right. I gotta be honest with you. I am tired of talking about this until we see something new. But we're going to talk about you the, and me both, sis. The grand jury is expected. <laughs> John Avalon. I mean, you know I'm right. The yeah, grand, no, you're not wrong. The grand jury in the Trump um, case is, is expected to meet tomorrow. I'll bite. What what is the story? I, I, well, the story is it, it's happening tomorrow supposedly. Wrong. But we were expecting them to the grand jury to gather yesterday, and they didn't. So where are we now with all of this? If the grand jury meets it doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be an indictment correct right tomorrow no not necessarily um but in order for there to be an an
6: indictment the grand jury has to meet now prosecutors would go into the grand jury present evidence and information within an hour you know they can just spit out an indictment so i think what we'll all be watching to see is do they meet what happens are prosecutors there and does an indictment come but it could be imminent after the grand jury gets together
1: all right let us talk about rudy giuliani and i and i want to go um to you, John. Um, He's now conceded that he's Mm -hmm. made these defamatory statements about these two election workers in Georgia, uh, Ruby Freeman and Moss. Watching them testify was really hard to watch. Their lives were put in jeopardy. They were afraid for the work that they were doing, which was being citizens and doing the right thing with the job. He has now said uh, this. Let's go ahead and go to sound of Rudy Giuliani talking about this. Of Ruby Freeman and Shay Freeman Moss, and one other gentleman quite
4: obviously surreptitiously passing around USB ports as if they're vials of heroin or cocaine. I mean, it's, outsta- it's, it's obvious
1: to anyone who's a criminal investigator or prosecutor, they are engaged in surreptitious illegal activity, again, that day. That's a lie. I just yep. want to remind people that it's not true and these two women have suffered because of it. Can I ask you, he's saying he's protected by free speech. Is he?
4: <laughs> well, look, I, I, I think uh, when you level accusations, this is about defamation. This was a demonization, a public scapegoating. And that Rudy acknowledged today was baseless. Look, I, I, as you know, I worked for Rudy Giuliani for many years when he was mayor of New York. Uh, and, and the dissent of Rudy to what he has become today, bears very little, if no, resemblance to to the person I worked for. And the person who was one of the most respected federal prosecutors of his era as U.S. attorney. Um, By conceding this, his team says, look, this is really about just stopping discovery, which itself would be typically a mess in the case of Rudy Giuliani circa 2023. But it's a a concession, in effect, that all those accusations made so publicly were lies.
1: And what can they do about it? I mean, will he face some sort of punishment Perhaps civilly or yeah, criminally? No, I think he, I think he might, and he uh, he seems to be trying to minimize
6: how much trouble he can get in mm-hmm. by owning it uh, and accepting responsibility yeah. for it. The problem is that number one, that's potentially evidence in other lawsuits uh, that he's admitted to, um, and, you know, and number two, he's admitted. Uh, to a central part of what would be a defamation claim, which is that you admitted that you were lying and that you know, it was false. It's, it's a bizarre strategy, to be perfectly candid, as to why he would do it. Um, but know, it's about so, containment.
4: Yeah. He's trying to contain the damage with regard to all these other lawsuits for uh, possibly financial and, and other reasons. These, so, these, these women, by the way, not public figures. Right. Correct. Right. Humble
7: yeah. servants of our electoral system. Our diffused election system depends on people like these women to show up and volunteer or make very little money to execute our elections to be treated the way they were was an abomination he whatever happens to him whatever can happen to him he deserves every bit of it because these this is not like a political debate between two politicians right. they're not public figures
1: they this are is now compa-
7: unfortunately and it's his fault them. and it's totally unfair and there has to be consequences
1: for it all right we will wait and see what happens there just up next oh thank you gentlemen Good to have you here late at night. Appreciate it. Up next, warnings from three military veterans in today's UFO hearing in Congress. I'll talk to Congressman Tim Bruchette, who pushed to hold today's hearing.
3: This is an issue of government transparency. We can't trust a government that does not trust its people. We're not bringing little green men or flying saucers into the hearing. Sorry to disappoint about half y'all.
1: It used to be, if you believed that UFOs existed, people would write you off as a nutcase. Well, times have changed. Exhibit A, what happened today on Capitol Hill. Military veterans testifying to Congress that they have seen UFOs, or what the Pentagon now calls UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. And now lawmakers and some veterans are demanding the government be more transparent about the strange objects they've been seeing in the sky.
8: You're talking something that can go into space, go someplace, drop down in a matter of seconds, do whatever it wants and leave, and there's nothing we can do about it.
0: If UAP are foreign drones, it is an urgent national security problem. If it is something else, it is an issue for science. In either case, unidentified objects are concerned for flight safety.
1: Joining me now for more, Congressman Tim Burchett. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. First, Congressman, I do want to hear your thoughts and whether you think that UFOs are a serious national uh, security threat.
3: Uh, that was discussed, and all three of the gentlemen, brave gentlemen, their patriots, came forward and, and said they thought that they were. I I differ on that. You know, we've known about these. I mean, I, you read your Bible, Ezekiel saw the wheel. Um <laughs> in the old testament. But if you but you know, we've known about these for quite some time. And if they have the technology that was ex, that's exhibited in the Tic Tac videos like the candy, not like the Chinese propaganda TikTok, but Tic Tac videos. If you Google it, you can read and watch the videos. Um, they have that kind of technology. It can do those things that defy our laws of physics and can withstand those kind of G forces, then I think uh, we are, those are the videos right there. Y'all are doing great. Um, then they could do us in if they wanted to. It's it's not it. Sorry, my lights went off.
1: Sorry, right. <laughs> um, You still look good. Yeah,
3: yeah thank you. Uh, but like I was stating, if they have this kind of technology, ma'am, they could have done us in a long time ago. I'm not really worried about that. I'm more worried about and people should be worried about our government and our Pentagon who continuously stonewalls us, and members of Congress and staff who stonewalled us with this committee, we weren't even allowed to get down in a skiff to um, to talk to one of the uh, one of the people testifying today about um, some things that he talked about, and we're not uh, not allowed to say in public because of security concerns. So you know this thing's going on and on. The Pentagon says they don't exist yet. They changed the name from UFOs to UAPs. And now they're encouraging, I believe, they're lobbying for more money um, to study these, in my opinion, and you as a journalist you, you tell me, but I think that the transparency issue, they need to just turn loose what they have. Them, NASA, our military institute, or departments of defense that have been studying this for years. And, ha- and then when they show us a file, it looks like a piece of Swiss cheese, literally looks like somebody shot it with a 12-gauge shotgun. You can't. Make heads or tails out of what's in it, but you're obviously you're talking about
1: the the you, documents are redacted. There's so much redaction that you can't really make heads or tails of it. I do want to talk to you yes, about the ma'am. video uh, th- that was released actually by the Pentagon uh, in 2021, and and we we're hearing different things now though that that are that take this a bit further. Uh, the Pentagon has never said yes, we believe there are aliens out there, but now they're saying, yeah, there are unidentified flying objects out there, or UAPs, as you call it, or they call it now. But a former Air Force intelligence officer, David Grush, testified that based on his own experience and conversations with experts, he believes the government is in possession of potentially non-human spacecraft. Do you believe that?
3: Yes, ma'am, I do. I've talked to too many people. It's just There's just too much evidence out there and too many of these veterans have come forward. And um, and honestly, citizens, I've had members of Congress talk to me about the issue about their their sightings and things. Jimmy Carter, President Ford, um, both had sightings. There's there's too much evidence out there that this is out there. Um, We believe that they have these craft. They use they reverse engineer. Um, It's probably handed off into the business world in the business community to where it can't be FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act. So, um, you know, and, and I'll tell you this, I, I, I actually presented a uh, an amendment to the FAA reauthorization bill that just said if, if a airline pilot sees a UAP UFO anomaly in the air, in the report they make to the FAA, that they would have to make issue that report to Congress. Well, the intelligence community, not the intelligence committee, but the intelligence community blocked that bill. I wasn't even allowed a hearing on it, was not even voted on, ma'am. So you have unelected bureaucrats in our military industrial complex are telling your Congress what to do. That's a very chilling effect. And this, this committee today was bipartisan. Um, I was proud of my Democrat friends and my Republicans colleagues on my side of the aisle that that testify or that 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 asks these questions. It is, it's something that the American public deserves to know.
1: Congressman, for decades, uh, through every administration that, that I can think of, um, there have been questions brought up by by civilians, but they've always been said that they're nuts or that they're you know just making this stuff up. And now, here we are in 2023 actually talking about this and seeing some evidence of it. So it is a remarkable moment in our history. I do want to quickly ask you, I know you came here to talk about UAPs in the hearing, but I do have to ask you, because I am a journalist uh, and this is in the news, about hunter biden uh his deal blew blown up by the by the judge uh prosecutors and the defense um usually have their stuff together when it comes to putting these plea deals together but the judge wasn't having it where do you see all of this going
3: uh you know i keep thinking it's another nail in the coffin but it's just they just keep knocking the nails you know it, it just it doesn't seem to affect you've got in my opinion ma'am the justice department is um is very aloof right now they're a rudderless ship they need to get their act together. The, um, the judge obviously executed their option and, and, and through this, this horrible plea agreement out, which honestly, if that was in Tennessee, I've seen people get a, a uh, you know, get stronger punishment for a, a traffic violation. Literally, he walked on a gun charge and, and now I think they they're realizing what's going on in these committees, in the judiciary committee in the oversight committee about what's going on with Hunter Biden. And, um, and I, and I think they're they're paying attention to that. And this judge realizes that there's more to this and that this deal is a bad deal.
1: Would you vote for an impeachment, uh, as a lot of folks are talking about in the GOP when it comes to, to Joe Biden?
3: From the evidence I've seen, I would, ma'am. You're talking... Um, $10 million from Burisma. You've got money coming from China. But even though not, there's, there's, there's no, no, evidence. no evidence of yeah, anyone the, even paying any taxes on this money. Right. But, and Congressman, in-
1: even though there's no evidence that we have all seen, that has been shown to the public, that has been uh, put forward from the Congress, from the GOP, um, that there are ties, very clear ties, between Hunter Biden's business dealings and Joe Biden,
3: correct? Well, let me correct you on that. Is the FBI's informant, not the... Um, not the Republican informant, not the Democrat, the FBI's own informant was the one that, that notified us of some of the most damning information. And it just goes on and on. And, uh, you know, you, you what are they paying these millions of dollars for their grandkids, minors getting tens of thousands of dollars that, uh, you know, what are they getting? You know, they always say, well, the Trump's the Trump's the Trump's. Well, President Trump was t- selling tough stakes and crappy ties. We know that. But what is Hunter Biden selling? Nothing but influence. And but, so, but couldn't he be uh, there, selling you, that every, influencer?
1: Couldn't he be selling that influencer if that is the case, without his dad knowing? In other words, selling it using the name really? without sure. you know what I mean?
3: Well, President Biden changed his story once again today, and um, and said that 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 first he said he's never talked to me about business, which to me is just absurd. I mean, you talk to your dad. I, I talk to my dad about everything. Uh, uh, my business, my political life, my love life, for goodness sakes, or lack thereof, I guess. But, you know, to say that he's not talking to his dad about it. And then his dad says, well, we didn't talk about that business. And then, you know, it's it's just too much, ma'am. Tens of millions of dollars. And let's be honest, if they'd have paid that money to the Trumps, and there was no, and, and you'd be asking, where's the quid pro quo? Right. And this is just the reality of what's going on and the and the money laundering is pitiful. I mean, it's but but to, I just want to be really so c- clear, Congressman. That,
1: yeah, Congressman. Look, nothing has been made pu- public yet um, that shows us all of this. When and if it is, uh, we will get back to you. We'd love to talk to you um, if you have the evidence to, to show. But at this point, we, we haven't seen, the public hasn't seen any of this hard evidence uh, that has been brought well, I, up. By I don't know what to, you, of, you have $10 million dollars
3: coming from Burisma, a company, you know, they're accusing uh, Biden, of, of, they accused Trump of doing what Biden actually did, $10 million of bribery, um to and they fired a guy i mean you can follow the money ma'am I and these are fbi informants these are fbi right but it has FBI to be proven there has the right to be problem. some
1: proof you can't just say it happened How there has to not, be some proof well, right
3: well what was the 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 dossier on trump there wasn't really any proof it was all hearsay and now here you've got a, an fbi document an official document showing that so you know, we can sit here and argue about it, and I get it. You're, you know, you're, you've got your base, I've got mine, but I've seen. The I, don't like, I don't have a
1: base. I'm a journalist. I don't have a base Republican. I understand,
3: ma'am. You work for CNN, but let's be honest. If you work for Fox, it'd be the right wing, and you all are the left wing. And I get We're it. We're not. It's politics, I'm not. As usual, ma'am. You don't ma'am, know my politics, the, yeah, sir. You nobody, really don't know my, my politics. that, ma'am. You can say that, and you can have your fingers crossed under. But again, the table. there has
1: to be proof, sir. There has to be proof, both with my politics. And with whether or not Joe Biden is involved in this, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you talking to me about UAPs and the issue with Hunter Biden. I appreciate you coming on, sir.
3: Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me on, ma'am. It's been my pleasure.
1: Thank you. All right. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell freezing mid-sentence during a press conference today for nearly 30 seconds. It was a disturbing moment. Dr. Sanjay Gupta is here to tell us what might be going on with his health. Next. Next. Tonight, questions about the health of Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell after he stopped talking mid-sentence and froze for about 30 seconds during a news conference. Here's that unnerving moment.
3: We're on a path to finishing the NDA uh, this week. It's been good bipartisan cooperation and a string of uh, uh,
4: Are you good? Mitch? Okay, Mitch? Anything else you want to say? Or should I just go back to your press?
3: Do you want to say anything else to the press? Go ahead, John. Let's go back
1: to you. Go ahead, John. No matter what your politics are, that was really hard to watch. Ten minutes later, though, McConnell returned to the podium to answer questions, saying, I'm fine. One of his aides said that the senator felt lightheaded. Let's bring in CNN chief medical correspondent, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, here again with us tonight. Thank you for being here, Dr. Gupta. When you saw this moment play out, what were your concerns?
2: Well, I, I found it concerning. There's no question there was some sort of neurological event that happened there. I mean, as, as you mentioned, it was um, about, it happened just before 2 o'clock this afternoon. It was about 25 seconds before somebody came and asked the senator if he was okay thirty two seconds that he was uh, actually standing at the lectern there, unable to speak, seemingly uh, he was moving his arms and his legs, and I was looking for all sorts of different things, but clearly something happened there uh, about twelve minutes later. he came back and said he was fine um, we, we still don 't know if he has seen somebody about this, but this is the kind of thing you got to get checked out. There are a few things you know that, that come to mind, common things being common, Sarah. Um, right dehydration something like that fighting off an infection a medication interaction those types of things can sometimes cause this but a, a what is known as a TIA a, a mini stroke that's something that I think doctors uh, might want to rule out or even a mini seizure um, keep in mind you know back in March you may remember Sarah he had this pretty significant fall he had a concussion he broke a rib he needed rehab uh, after a a brain injury, which is what a concussion is, a mild brain injury, people even months later could have some consequences of that, including seizures. So was this a mini seizure? Um, Whatever it is, he does need to get this sort of thing checked out and to make sure that you can figure out that it's not something
1: bad, but also to to try and prevent it from happening again in the future. I think I was just personally surprised to see that he didn't go to the doctor immediately after and go get fully checked out. Should he have at that moment? Yeah,
2: I mean, look, you know, I think most people know if we're concerned, if there's a concern about stroke, for example, a TIA could be a mini stroke, one of the big things is even though his symptoms did seem to resolve, he got better, uh, you, you, you worry that it could happen again and it could turn into a more severe stroke if they're, they're not adequately addressed. So that is something I think everybody learns uh, when it comes to these types of symptoms. You got to get it checked out. You got to get it checked out fast because time really does matter in terms of preventing this from happening in the future.
1: That's right. All right, Dr. Gupta, I want to turn to another uh, story that's developing. We're learning more about <clears throat> LeBron James' 18-year-old son, Bronny. We talked about yeah. what happened to him um, suffering a cardiac arrest during basketball practice earlier uh, this week. What do you know now about his condition? Well, th- there
2: are some, a couple details that we learned today, and that is that a couple of months ago, uh, as a prospective player, he underwent some screening tests including what is known as a transthoracic echocardiogram. I'm going to show you what that means, as well as an EKG. So with an echocardiogram, they basically put an ultrasound probe, if it were, as it were, on the chest, and they're looking at the heart. They're looking at the big blood vessels of the heart. They're looking at the muscles of the heart. They're seeing if there's any kind of anatomical problem with the heart. It's something that he may have had done again while he was in the hospital, but he had this done a couple of months ago. What we heard is that it was normal. So that's a good sign. He also had an EKG, which a lot of people have heard of that, but that's basically looking at the electrical patterns in the heart make sure there's not an abnormality. And at least that snapshot EKG that he had a couple of months ago, we're told also was normal. So that's a very good sign. If you add to that, Sarah, that he was in the ICU, but then let out of the ICU very quickly, It's another good sign. It basically means that he was stable and that they didn't find any um, sort of uh, permanent or sort of long-standing consequence on his heart. His heart function was normal at the time that they let him out of the ICU. So these are all good signs. They still gotta figure out exactly what happened here. And that probably means putting a longer lasting EKG sort of monitor, something known as a Holter monitor, to look at his electrical pattern of his heart over a longer period of time to see if there's some abnormalities that isn't caught on a, on a snapshot. But that's, that's probably what's happening now. But the picture is increasingly looking better for him. Not out of the woods, still gotta figure out what exactly happened here. But the, the, the uh, last couple of days, in terms of getting out of the ICU quickly and those screening tests from before, they paint a better picture, Sarah.
1: I love a great basketball player, of which he is, as well as his father. We really, really hope that he is able to get back on the court and do what he loves. Dr. Sanjay Gupta, love having you on. Thank you. Appreciate it.
2: Anytime, sir. Thank you.
1: There is a growing crisis in Israel. Following Prime Minister Netanyahu's judicial overhaul, a number of Army reservists are saying they will not serve. I'll speak with one of them and ask him why. Coming up next. Israel's Supreme Court announcing it will not issue an injunction against a controversial law passed by parliament this week. The new law strips the Supreme Court's power to veto government decisions on the basis of whether they are reasonable. Instead, the court rules it will debate the law in September. Today's ruling comes as protesters, including my next guest, continue to take the streets in response to the judicial overhaul happening within Israel. Joining me now, Ron Scherf, co-founder of Brothers in Arms and former lieutenant colonel of the Israeli Defense Forces. Thank you so much, sir, for joining us. You are among the protesters taking to the streets. Can you explain to us the significance of some of Israel's military reservists saying they will not serve because of this new law?
9: Yes. So, uh, hi, good, uh, good night, good morning here <laughs> in Israel. Um, so we're in the streets for six months, you describe it very good because the government is doing a judicial overhaul and wants to, to, to gain um, endless power. And uh, with a series of laws that frees the government from the court's legal review. Think of it that in the US, the government, the, the court will be only a recommendation. This is unreasonable and actually makes Israel not democratic anymore. It's a steep slope from a democratic uh, country to being a dictatorship. And people are afraid of unlimited power in the government's hands. That's why we're in the streets for six months. And uh, um, it's across all the people in all the organizations and uh, very frightening. The public in Israel is is very afraid. Brother and Sisters in in, in Arms is an organization... Of reservists, starting of reservists, but now including a lot of uh, people, to your question, Israel's security is based on the reservists. It's something it's in Israel, the army is the army of the people. we're a small country, we have a lot of external threats, and the army is based on all the people or a, a big part of the people. as I- the army of the people, we swore to serve a democratic country. And we feel now that this basic contract between the country and the people and the soldiers is broken by the government.
1: That's a really powerful statement that you're making there that you, as a reservist, believe that the the contract to serve a democratic country uh, has been broken by the government itself. You also, I think, have said that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who is in power right now, is ultimately responsible for this crisis why do you say that?
9: Yes, of course, because the Israeli army is in crisis now. It's, it's not because people will not go and serve a dictatorship. Again, we swore to serve a democratic country. It's so basic that, you know, people cannot understand what's happening, but dictatorships start like this. They're starting with rules that overcome the court, and then it will come to the um, 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 press And then it will come to the freedom of speech. And this is really happening. And what we feel, the person who is responsible for this is the prime minister. He is responsible to breaking this contract between the people and the government to driving this judicial overhaul. And he must stop.
1: Thank you so much, Runcher, for explaining all this for us. I lived in, uh, in Israel in 2012 um, for quite some time, and I've never seen protests this large um, from the Israeli community. I appreciate you coming on and explaining your part in this to all of us. Have a great yes, morning we really feel,
9: there. We, re- we, re- we really feel that we are in a, a crisis and a threat from inside, and that's why we as reservists are coming up to defend our country. Because if Israel will become a dictatorship, it will it will not be Israel anymore.
1: Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, and we will be right back.
0: Secretary Mayorkas is going to try to paint a rosy picture of this disastrous mismanagement of our border, but the numbers don't lie. Secretary Mayorkas, you must resign. Will you resign?
3: No, I will not. I am incredibly mm-hmm. proud of the work that is performed. I understand in the Department of Home.
0: Secretary Mayorkas. If you will not resign, that leaves us with no other option. You should be impeached.
1: All right. You were listening to uh, several Republican lawmakers there threatening to impeach uh, the Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. He's facing accusations from that Republican led House Judiciary Committee of having lost control. Of the Southwest border. Now, while border crossings remain high, there have been fewer border arrests in recent weeks. Still, House Republicans have started to lay the groundwork for potential impeachment proceedings against Mayorkas. Lots to discuss now with Democratic Congressman Joaquin Castro of Texas. He is a member of the Foreign Affairs Committee. Thank you so much for joining me, Congressman. Um, can you give me a sense? Is what's happening at the southern border?
8: Uh, Well, what you see is that um, border crossings have gone down 70 percent in the last few months since the end of Title 42. And the Biden administration has tried to do a few things. Uh, First, they have offered a way for people to apply for asylum from their home countries and other places before they make the dangerous trek to the U.S.-Mexico border. And they also improved an app that, quite honestly, was having a lot of problems at the beginning. But what we're also seeing is Republicans taking barbaric actions in their treatment of asylum seekers. Uh, Greg Abbott has put out what I consider death traps and drowning devices in the Rio Grande, razor wire literally that is invisible to people until they run into it, uh, and uh, has also put out these barrel traps that have netting that people get caught in. On top of that, he's instructed DPS troopers not to offer water to anybody, even people that are dying of thirst in 105, 110 degree weather. You know, those are the kinds of headlines and policies that you would expect to see coming out of a place like North Korea uh, not the United States of America.
1: Um, some of the border cities, though, run by Democratic mayors are saying, we also need help. They have not seen the sirs that they thought they were going to see after Title 42 ended, but they do feel that they don't have enough help. What do you say to them?
8: Uh, I would say that they're right. They should get all the help they need. And the Congress and the president... Uh, over the last year in particular have, uh, have uh, legislated billions of dollars in trying to be helpful uh, and trying to improve the situation on the border. So some of that aid has gone directly uh, to the cities and counties that you're talking about, including my hometown of San Antonio uh, that was seeing thousands and thousands of people every week.
1: I do want to talk to you about uh, what happened with uh, the courts. A federal judge blocked President Biden's asylum policy just yesterday, uh, which has leaned on the measure to drive down border crossings. They do remain high, but crossings have plunged, as you mentioned, since Title 42 was lifted on May 11th. Uh, Fellow Democratic Congressman of Texas, Henry Collier, stands by the controversial policy. I want you to listen to what he said.
0: I support... Uh, the policy.
8: And in fact, I've been asking the administration to do this for the last two years. If you're claiming credible fear, you're passing countries where your fear is gone. And that's why this transit uh, country uh, policy is something that I've supported. Uh, and, and I hope that the, um, and, and probably will go up to the Supreme Court. And I hope that the Supreme Court uh, will look at this favorably.
1: Congressman, you have been a vocal opponent of the president's asylum policy. How should the Supreme Court justices respond in your view? Should, should they hear the case?
8: Yeah, I mean, I think the court in this case did the right thing. And I, I disagreed with uh, what I consider a transit ban that the administration put in place, also that the Trump administration had put in place. And I disagree with my colleague from Texas and friend, Henry Cuellot. Uh, you know, when you think about uh, credible fear and where somebody is going to present for asylum, uh, let's take the let's take the fact that some of these people are from Central America, uh, and we may be asking them to stay in Mexico. A lot of Americans won't even drink the water in Mexico. Uh, they're scared of the drug gangs and the violence in Mexico. They don't want to cross over the U.S.-Mexico border to go into Tijuana, Reynosa, uh, or Ciudad Juarez. Uh, And yet at the same time, we're supposed to consider that for asylum seekers a safe place. I just don't think that's realistic. Uh, And we shouldn't be banning people from applying first in the United States for asylum.
1: We have heard over and over and over again from every single administration and every single Congress that there is a problem with our immigration policy. And yet it goes unfixed. Can this be fixed and can it be done soon?
8: We came close in 2014 when the Senate passed in a bipartisan way comprehensive immigration reform, and then John Boehner, the speaker at the time, refused to put it on the House floor for a vote. I believe that we can get there again.
1: Hopefully the two sides can come together. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time, Congressman.
8: Good to be with you.
1: And thank you for watching. Our coverage continues.